You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Hey, I, I wanted to share with you just really briefly this morning, uh, because we're starting our Advent series called The Gift of Christmas. And I think it's a really interesting time because this is the time of the year that people all around uh, the world are celebrating to some extent and in some special way the arrival of Christmas. It's interesting. In a lot of the parts of the world where, where it's safe to publicly celebrate uh, Christ and there are Christians celebrating, then there's a, a unique way of celebrating the arrival of Christ. And, and so we're not just doing this isolated, but as Christians, we're celebrating as everyone else is celebrating. And I don't know if you knew this, but it turns out that Christmas is kind of a big deal. Does anyone know this? I just found this out. Um, but Christmas is kind of, it's kind of a big deal. So I researched this week some Advent traditions because I was, I was just fascinated by this. And since I have the microphone, you also get to be fascinated by it uh, with me this morning. Uh, but here's some Advent traditions that I liked. Uh, there's the candle in the window. And that comes uh, from rural Ireland. And so they, in rural Ireland, that's too many subtle R's. I, uh, they would light a candle in the window, and it was this symbol that there was room in the inn. And so they say that in every family, there's usually a Mary. I believe it's like sometimes the oldest. I don't know if you're big in Irish history. Talk to me afterwards or don't. Uh, but that Mary would usually uh, light and extinguish uh, the, the candle in the family. Uh, the other one that I thought was interesting was the Christkind. Uh, this originally came from Martin Luther, actually, uh, and this idea that, like, Christ brought the presents. It was trying to tie Christmas morn to Christ. It became a popular idea through Lutherans, and it's funny how traditions kind of snowball after that because at the same time, the Christmas play was really big, and the angel played a really big role, and so all of a sudden, this, like, Christkind figure was, like, an angel, I just think they had an excess of blondes at the time, and so they became this figure. And so a kid actually, even in the village, gets elected into this role, and that kid has 150 specific duties uh, as that figure. So your <laughs> parents are thinking, we can't do that and ballet, so please don't elect my child. The other one that I thought was uh, interesting is pastorettes. I don't know if you guys have heard those pastorettes. Uh, this was a really big tradition that came up in Spain. And basically, they're like these mini Christmas plays that they had started out. And then the tradition made it to the Catalan region of Spain and became this big thing. So like all over uh, this area, that'd be like where Barcelona is. They like everybody is a part of performing a Christmas play. So you can go anywhere, and it's just all throughout the village. Um, these things are happening. Another one is the Novena prayer. Uh, that's an Italian tradition linked to the rosary. No surprise. But what's interesting is they pray this prayer 15 times a day, every day, from the Feast of St. Andrew, which would be about November 30th, until Christmas. 15 times a day. Y'all ready? I can get some people just to come to presents night. <laughs> but building in the nativity scene, this is another one that's cool. Uh, really big uh, French custom traditionally where you would buy these, and again, I don't speak French, so if you do, don't judge me, but these Santones, I don't know, who cares? I'm not even going to try. Uh, 
<laughs> I barely speak English, y'all. So, <laughs> then you buy these figurines and you add them to a larger piece. And then on Christmas, you add baby Jesus. And it's all part of this anticipation, this waiting. Uh, there's, again, I don't speak Swiss either, but um, Adventsfenster, <laughs> that's as close as it gets, uh, <laughs> is a tradition in Switzerland. Oh, gosh, we're out of control, y'all. It's happening. Um, it's a tradition in Switzerland where for 24 nights, 24 different houses are um, elected in the village, and you do up your window that faces the street, and everyone in the village comes around, and they sing, and then you light up the window, and all your nativity kind of stuff and all your different things based off of the advent is there. Um, uh, another one, paroles or perils. This is a Filipino tradition, and I like this one. My wife probably does too because she's a little extra like this. So there are these like really bright colored neon light star stained glass looking thing. Has anyone seen these in real life? Because they're actually pretty cool. If you haven't, they're, they're pretty sweet. Um, Another one is, uh, actually some people probably have done this, is Las Posadas. Has anyone ever done, uh, yeah, what's up girl? Uh, Las Posadas is basically uh, this tradition where the town kind of elects or a group of people elects a Mary and Joseph and they follow them around on the nine days before Christmas and they go to nine different houses. So one night they go to a house and they stand outside and the whoever owns the house that it's been predetermined says, no, there's no room. And then they do this back and forth singing. And at one point they all agree, you're coming in. The whole village or whatever goes into the house and just basically eats all of their food. There's pinatas. Guys, some of us were not celebrating at a high enough level. Let's be real, right? Let's be honest. Who wants to do it? No, people are like, the whole village? Yes, there's all kinds of stuff. And so they celebrate, and then the next night, they meet at the house, and they go to another house, and they do that for nine nights. They're celebrating in anticipation all of the things, all of the hope, all of the desires for the coming of Christ, the journey of Mary and Jesus, or Mary and Joseph to the birth of Jesus. And they're like, there is anticipation in these all kinds of different celebrations, all these different kind of things, whether it's adding lights or going to a different place. In fact, in Kerala, India, uh, where there's, there's actually like a surprising amount of saints who call that area home, uh, people will fast from December 1st to December 25th, which judging by how I ate on November 22nd, it's not a bad idea. But they... <laughs> But they, they do this kind of in anticipation for this big moment. And we could go on. I mean, there's this list after list in Brazil. They, they build a nativity scene, and then the gypsies come in. People dress up like gypsies, and they come in to steal baby Jesus. And then people have to chase him down because they've added in somehow stealing baby Jesus into the Christmas story. You know, whatever it is, there's all these different kinds of traditions because people make a big deal out of Christmas. And it's fun, right? It's fun to have fun. Let yourself have fun. And we talked last week about substance and shadow. So if you're like, well, you know, Jesus is the reason. Just You should have been here and listened to my sermon. Then I don't have to cover it. Everyone's like, dang it. No. <laughs> but Christmas is a big deal, and we celebrate because something has happened, right? Advent is a big deal. Does anyone ever get those Advent calendars with, like, the chalky chocolate? 
right? And you have to convince your child that there is more chocolate there, but you can only eat the tiniest Pez-sized chocolate every day, and then you come out two and a half hours later to find that they've broken it out like prison break, and it's just scattered across the floor. Yes, the advent calendar. But the advent, it's important because we are celebrating the arrival, right? It's, it's a big deal. And I think when we look at the season, it's like, why all the anticipation? Why all the work? Why all the stuff? It's because we're celebrating this moment where we have received an incredible gift that is the gift of Jesus Christ. And when we celebrate that God has given his son to be born as a human child. Think about this. The word that you'll hear in reference to this is incarnation. Right? This, this word was coined in the English language in the 14th century. And in a, a lowercase i, incarnation, as a term, it means uh, the embodiment of a deity or a spirit in a physical form, in an earthly form. Capitalized, right? Capital I, the incarnation means the union of divinity with humanity in Jesus Christ. The incarnation of God as man in a human body is a big deal. And I think sometimes in culture we probably ask, why is it such a big deal that God was born as a baby, right? I mean, shouldn't really Easter be the big deal, right? Easter should, it should be a big deal. We'll celebrate, trust me. But shouldn't like, shouldn't really we just put all of our eggs in that basket, so to speak? Shouldn't we go all in for Easter? Because Easter is when he rose. Like, I mean, yes, he became a baby, but this was kind of like something he had to get through in order to get there, which is like, I mean, God could have come as anything. Why did he choose to come as a baby? Why is it such a big deal that Christ was born as a baby in Bethlehem, was given a gift to us. And it's a big deal because God's goal all along, hear me this morning, has been communion with you. Communion, not, I'm not talking about what we're taking as a sacrament on the side. Communion meaning to live and to dwell with you. That has always been the created intent of the Lord. Right? God created Adam, not so that Adam could live on an island and God could live on his island and just be like, well, I hope he doesn't mess it up. Ah, he messed it up. Going to have to send my son. Right? God made Adam, created Adam, created Eve so that he could live in communion with them. But what happens, right? Adam sins. And in sinning, he creates a separation and it changes the whole relational dynamic. It changes the relationship that was supposed to be there. And instead of dwelling together, instead of being united, what we see in Genesis 3.8 is it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, God has always desired in a real sense, in a sense that you and I can understand and relate with. He's desired to have communion with us, to walk with us. He would walk in the garden in the cool of the day. Can you, can you even begin to picture that God who just a while earlier had created everything with his words is now walking in the garden in the cool of the day? He's going for an afternoon stroll, guys. Here is the Lord, so great, and yet he wants to have communion with us. He desires to be with us. 
And so what happens is that God and in his infinite power loves us so much that he sends his son because he wants to restore the depth of communion that he desires. He wants to restore that. And I want, I want you to hear me say we celebrate because Jesus is not the plan B. Jesus is not him winging it. Jesus is not God going like, all right, what do I do now? And just looking over to Jesus. And Jesus is like, what? Right? This is the plan all along. Right? God has desired to restore us into his communion. And he prophesies it over Israel through the prophet of Isaiah, and I'm going to invite you, if you brought your Bible, to open to Isaiah 7:14. We're going to read uh, just from this short scripture, but I'd love for you to open it, because if you like to underline things, I like to underline things, then this is a good scripture. We'll jump around a little bit, because I like the Bible. But it says this, Isaiah 7:14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So here's this prophecy, Isaiah 7. I'm going to give you some context here. God is prophesying to the nation of Israel, his chosen people, the people who will for, for 800 more years cry out for a Messiah. God is prophesying through Isaiah in this moment over his people as the Assyrian nation is coming forward to their walls and they're going to be taken over and destroyed. And King Ahaz is distraught because he knows that his family will be taken will be torn apart from him. He knows that people will die. He knows that Israel will be torn to shreds. He knows that they'll be taken far away again into exile. And yet God comes in in Isaiah 7 and he prophesies through Isaiah about Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And he sends them this promise. And God was reminding them of salvation, not a national specific salvation, but an eternal salvation for all people. And in this moment, he prophesies, it's not a plan B. This is from the beginning. God was ready to do what had to be done. So we flash forward uh, to eight, 800 years. In your Bible, it looks like a jump from Isaiah 7 to Matthew 1, 18. But there's 800 years right there. For me, I don't know how many pages that is. It's a good chunk. Uh, but there's this jump of 800 years. Uh, Israel, for those uh, who might not know, Israel has been conquered many times. Uh, the Roman Empire has now taken over basically everything. At, at this point, the I I ideology of Hellenism, all kinds of things have begun to creep in, have begun to compromise. Things have begun to put them under attack, and, and they're still crying out to God for a Messiah. And in the midst of this 800 years after the prophecy we just read, this moment happens in Matthew 1.18. And there's lots of different uh, ways to tell this. This is kind of from Joseph's perspective. I'm going to use another one here in a, in a couple weeks uh, that will illuminate it a little more. But this, there's an important phrase here. And I want to read to you from Matthew 1.18 through 23. It says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, 
Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your, as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then for all of us, they, they open that up so we understand what they've been asking for, what they've been praying for. What, what is this Emmanuel for 800 years? They've been praying for Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. It means God with us. Hear these words this morning, church. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. The prophecy wasn't that God would be God kind of with us. God with us, but with the ability to never feel pain. That's his superpower, the ability to fly from all troubling situations or to never experience emotional trauma or pain, right? It's not God, the aloof superhero. It's God with us to fully experience everything, to fully feel it, to know it, to, to be in it. It's not God partially in, one foot in, God kind of with you, God with you when it's convenient, God with you when the formula is right for the right thing. No, his prophesied, identifying name is Emmanuel, God with us. And as I was researching this, it just, it always blows my mind. Because there's some things we just don't take a lot of time to think about. But here we have this moment of the immeasurable, infinite power of God contained in a tiny, tiny baby. Right? Think about that. The, the, the part of the triune God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There was a part of creation that literally atoms that hold this all together, right? That God is now in this tiny baby that, that poops and cries and relies on its mother to be fed, right? The God that created molecules and molecular composition is now fully reliant on what his mother produces. He created that, and now he's fully reliant on it. Think about that. Is that mind-blowing that the God who is so infinite and so big and, and does not have to be down here experiencing just the, the mud, honestly, comes down and takes the form of a baby? He could have just come down as like a full-grown, he could have come down as Clark Kent. It's impenetrable, right? Tough. But he comes down as this weak little baby. Because that says so much about who Jesus is. And we can't take this, this infinite miracle and squash it down into something small. Because that's huge. That is one of the greatest miracles of all time. The fact that that is even possible shows how big our God is. That a God who is so great and so big and so grand found a way to be fully man and fully God in a body, to fully experience it. I've held my child in my arms. So to think that the God who rules the universe was once small enough to fit in the palm of my hand, I fit with all of my things. The whole universe fits in his hands, and yet Mary Mary held Jesus in her hands. 
Wow. It's just, it's incredible. God with us. I love this quote. It says, in sending his son to earth, God caused eternity to invade time. It says this was not a temporary visit. When Jesus came, he wedded dust and deity, time and eternity into one. The internal word was made human flesh, and that union will last forever. As the perfect man here on earth, Jesus Christ showed us what it is like to live by the eternal. See, Christ was a gift that lived as an example, died as a sacrifice, and rose as a redeemer. He was all of these things for us. He was fully flesh. He came down to dwell among us. And I know we kind of accept this idea like, yeah, Jesus, can I tell you how ludicrous this would have been to the Jewish people? absolutely absurd this would have been. The God of fire, the God of smoke, the God of floods, the God of creation, that he would possibly step down out of eternity into a finite linear timeline as a baby in the mess, in a manger. Do you know how, how much like heresy that sounds? That's why they kind of had a problem with it. Because why on earth would a God who is so great and so big and so immeasurable decide to come down and suffer with us? Why do it? You could skip it. Come on a horse in the, the fire. Come with the army. Come with the angels. Come and redeem us. Come and save us. Come with your spiritual power. Come elevated. Come with the longest sword you've ever seen just going through our enemies. Destroy Rome. Defeat it. And yet here... God so big comes down as this tiny little baby. Emmanuel, God with us. He came to dwell among us, John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1.3 says, And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. My wife and I, we went and saw a Christmas movie. We went and saw this new Grinch movie. And this isn't spoilers, so don't worry. Also, every Christmas movie has the same formula, so <laughs> this is how it goes. Um, but in this, in this movie, the, the little girl, Cindy Lou Who, uh, she was all about trying to get this letter to Santa. That's what she wants to do because her mom has some problems. She's got to get the letter to Santa because she needs some help. And so she's like wrestling, like, how, how do I get to Santa? Because I hear occasionally he shows up, but no one's ever seen him, so how do I know if he's real? And so she begins to think, like, okay, i got to put on six jackets and clothes, and I'm going to get to the North Pole. I'm going to go find him. I'm going to get him my letter. If I can get him my letter, then he can come and he can change something. He can, maybe he'll fix something, maybe not. I don't know, but we're going we're gonna to get to him. And for many at the time, the Israelites, and still many of us today, saw God that way. 
God is somewhere, and maybe I could get my request wherever that is, because the temple's gone, and we don't, he was supposed to dwell there, but now he doesn't, so I'm going to get my letter together, and I'm going to try to get it as up to the North Pole, as high as I can, so that he can get it, and I got to do the things, and be in the mode, and be, you know, locked in, because, you know, then maybe God will hear my request, and he'll come, right? If I could just do the right things, and have the right letter, if I've been more nice than naughty, then, then I'll get what, what, what the help from the Lord. And they saw it this way. And so when Jesus comes, Jesus came to be with us. Did you know that Jesus held on to people? He cried with people. He kissed people on the cheek. He broke bread with people. He suffered with people. He was beaten with people. He was crucified with people. Jesus came to be God with us. And at no point in the brutality and simultaneous joy of his life did he ever say, no, 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 I got to step out of this. He had all the power to step out, and yet he never did. If I had the power and I was getting crucified, y'all could count on the fact that I'm, t- I'm taking a breather. Time out. Like, time out from experiencing all the pain. Is this what you guys have been doing down here? Like, you know, it's a time out. But he doesn't. He stays fully with us. That's who Jesus came to be. He was given to be. Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 9, 6 for it says, uh, for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus was given for you. It's the greatest gift that you could ever receive is the fact that Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, was given to you, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God. Says in John 3.16, right, famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You're like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to get anything this Christmas. Let me tell you, God just gave you something amazing. Something miraculous, something supernatural, something that you're, you just can't, we can't even get our minds around. Just start, and you'll be like, oh, I can't. It's just so, it's so incredible. He gave it. And he not only gave it for the time period. He not only gave Jesus for that moment in time. He gave him to intersect us in our life to affect eternity. So Jesus came to be God with us, but he, was, he isn't God was with us. He's God with us. He didn't add a clarifier. It's that God is with us. See, Jesus was there before he was incarnate in this moment, but now we, you and I live in what I think is one of the greatest times in all of history is that we live after the resurrection, and we live after Pentecost, and we live in this moment where God sent his son Jesus who walked with us and is with us. You don't got to go into a special temple. The curtain's torn. You don't have to give a certain um, animal sacrifice or something or, or work it up. And we don't have to tie a rope around a priest and send him in with bells and hope he didn't sin enough so that he doesn't get killed. And then we got to drag him back out and find another guy dumb enough willing to go in there. Like we, it's torn, it's open. 
You have access. You have closeness. You have nearness. You could go into the throne. You could go before him because God became Emmanuel, God with us. And when we cry out to God, we don't cry out to the North Pole in the hopes that our letter makes it. We cry out to God with us. God with you. I love presence night because we should come together with just the most insane confidence in the Lord, even if we're just facing the worst things in the world, because we have God with us. It's not like, well, if we can, if we do reckless love and be, and then we follow that right up with God, I look to you, then he'll fall. <laughs> right, we have him. Our struggle is that we, we desire to see more of him, both in a revelation and a reality of his presence and a deeper manifestation of his power, right? But God is with us. When we cry out to God, we don't do it to a God who's near. When we feel hurt, we don't cry out to a God who doesn't really know what hurt is. I mean, isn't it hard to follow after somebody who hasn't really experienced hurt? I mean, if there was like somebody who just never experienced hurt in their life, that'd be kind of hard if God didn't do that. But he's experienced hurt. He's experienced pain. And so when you cry out to in pain to the Lord, you cry out to Jesus Christ who intimately knows what pain is. He intimately knows what rejection feels like. He intimately knows what it's like to have his friends abandon him. He intimately knows what it's like to be mocked and embarrassed. He intimately knows what it's like to be on your knees crying out to God and say, God, if there's any other way, I'd love to do that. He knows what it's like to anguish. He knows what it's like to, to, to feel uh, just trapped in, in, in something and in, in, in the direction. He knows what it's like when the people that you should trust, that should take care of you, that should care for you, end up just totally denying you. He knows what all of those things feel like. And so you're not crying out to an aloof Santa Claus who somehow has the power to make stuff if you get lucky in the cosmic lottery of goodness because you're on the nice list long enough. You cry out to Jesus Christ who was a baby, who was a child, who was a teenager, who was an adult, who knows what it's like to go hungry, to be beaten, to rejoice, to have a mom. He knows what it's like to have to obey parents. He knows what it's like to have to to pay bills. He knows what it's like to have to have a craft to go to work. He knows what it's like to try ministry. He knows what it's like to do ministry for three years and then get executed for it. He knows what it's like. He's not distant. He's Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going to invite the band up this morning. There's people all around the world that are working towards getting near a God or near Godhood in some religions. And if they do the right things, then they'll, they'll, they'll get there in, in that belief. We serve a God who came down to us, who wanted to be with us. We serve the one true God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come down and step in to a stable of all places this moment, this beautiful moment, who is not distant from all of it, Emmanuel, God that's with me in the night, Emmanuel, God is with me in the storm, Emmanuel, God that is with me when I have anxiety, Emmanuel, God that's with me when I'm victorious, Emmanuel, God that's with me, Emmanuel, God with us, that God is with us. That you don't got to earn it. You don't got to get some right formula. It just takes the surrendering of your heart to a God who has already given so much. 
come down to encounter us. And yeah, Easter, we're going to celebrate. We're going to go crazy. It's, it's going to be a blast. I mean, that, that's a big day for us. I hope you know. But this month is so important. This day is so important because for unto us a child was born and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We talked last week and I think what we need so much in this season is the opposite of those things that we keep experiencing. Wonderful Counselor. We need wisdom. We need direction. We need guidance. So many feel lost. Where am I going? What am I doing? Mighty God, many of you, you're facing problems that are beyond your control, beyond what you can do. Now, I'm a firm believer in spiritual disciplines, but, but at the same time, many of you are facing things that are totally beyond what is humanly capable. You need a mighty God. Everlasting Father. I like this one. Some of you have had fathers who are not everlasting, and you've had relationships that did not remain, did not treat, did not love like they should, did not hold like they should, were not trustworthy, were not faithful. And yet, you have a God, a Father in, in the Lord who is eternally faithful. Scripture says, if we're unfaithful, He still has to be faithful because He's always faithful. He cannot deny Himself. And the fourth thing is Prince of Peace. We talked about peace last week and how much of our world is racked in anxiety. We prayed about it this morning. Uh, Gianna was, was singing, prophesying over this place that, that peace would be released in this church, in this city. The Prince of Peace. Jesus came as a baby. His name is the, is the Prince of Peace. That means he has the authority. He reigns in peace, right? He's not random guy of peace. He's the prince of peace. He has authority. And so all of these things that we desire, we know that we're not calling out to a God for those things because he's distant, but that we get to walk and live in communion with a God who is those things because he's near. And this morning, and it's really simple, and I wanted to make it simple this morning, but my heart's desire is that this Christmas, this Advent, that you and your heart would begin to cry out to God, not as a God near from me, but Emmanuel, God with us. And you would begin to say, maybe it's thank you, God, that you're with me, that as I face the storm, you're, you're here with me, you dwell with me. Or maybe it's God, I, I need a mighty God in my situation, and I thank you that I'm just going to lift it up to this distant place, which you're here with me. Or maybe it's, God, I got so much anxiety, I, I'm not sure what to do. And I say, thank you, God, that you're Emmanuel, God with us, that you're near me, that you're close to me, that you sent your son in this moment to show me. A God who has felt pain, isolation, loneliness, hurt, abandonment, loss. A God who has gone hungry. A God who has had compassion with widows and orphans. A God who has sat with prostitutes and military leaders. A God who has hung on the cross next to thieves. If, if that kind of person exists in the world, God has probably sat next to them. And you came to be here with me as well. God with us. God with us. God with us. God with us. Lord, I feel like I'm alone. God with us. Lord, I feel like I'm facing this immeasurable thing. 
God with us. I came to be with you, he's saying this morning. I came to be with you. I came to be near you. I came to be close to you. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads in this moment? So we've heard about Emmanuel, God with us. We're beginning this Advent season. We're talking about all of the, the, the gifts, all of the, that God brings when he comes. Hope, joy, peace, love, all these things. But this morning with your eyes closed and your head bowed, I just want you to begin to in this moment open your heart up to Emmanuel, God with us. Allow your mind to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit to recognize that God is not far, but he is near. He's with you. You're saying, I don't know, I'm, I'm so alone, I'm so overwhelmed. God is with you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you've never experienced the, the fullness of the love of Jesus Christ who was born on earth who died to pay the debt of your sins and was resurrected through his power so that we could spend all eternity in the freedom of Christ, no longer a slave to sin, but in his freedom and in his love. And maybe you've never experienced that. And this morning, God is saying, I've sent Emmanuel, God with us, to be with you. And if you would lay down your heart and say, God, I surrender my heart and I choose to follow you, that God is with you this morning. And if that's you, and maybe you've never made that choice, maybe, you, maybe you've never made the decision this morning with every eye closed, every head bowed, you've never made the choice to say, I want to walk with the Lord. I want to follow him. I need that Prince of Peace. I need that mighty God. I'm tired of living for myself. I choose to follow you today. I make a commitment, Jesus Christ. I know it's the beginning of a journey, but today I make a special commitment to say I lay down my heart and I choose this morning to follow you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, for maybe the first time or maybe you're just recommitting and you're saying, I'm choosing this morning, Jesus Christ, be my Lord and Savior. Every eye closed, every head bowed, will you lift up your hand? Lift up your hand this morning. It's all right. No one's looking around. Lift up your hand this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray over you this morning. God, I pray for those who raised their hands, who made a commitment in this, in this moment. I pray and I rejoice that you are Emmanuel, God, with us. God, that your love is with us, that your hope is with us, but above all, your freedom is with us. That is when we commit and say, God, you are my Lord and Savior. I choose to follow you, that your grace is a gift. We don't gotta earn it. We don't gotta do the right things for you to love us. You just love us. You've always loved us. But this morning, God, those this morning that raised their hand are making a choice to say, God, I choose to follow you with my life. I lay down myself and I just step into the love of Jesus Christ and the freedom and hope of all eternity. God, today, I choose to follow you. If you had raised your hand, just in your heart, say that, God, I choose to follow you this morning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. One more thing while we stay in this moment. I really, uh, I really want to take a second to reflect on who Jesus Christ is. and to reflect on the, the love of the Lord. And so I wanna do this. If you're here this morning, you're saying, I, I really need God with me. 
Emmanuel, God with us. I need God with me. Maybe you're facing something. Maybe you're encountering something and you're like, you know, I know that the Lord is with me, but I really just need to, him to reveal himself to me in a deeper way. I need him, I need him to reveal himself. I'm, I'm struggling and I need him to remind me through his power that he's with me. It's just same pose. Every eye closed. You just lift your hand and leave it up. If you're saying, God, I need you to be with me this morning. God, I need Emmanuel, God with us. The power of Jesus Christ. Just lift it up and leave it up. I'm going to pray for you this morning. God, I thank you. We thank you, Jesus. Every hand raised right now, every hand that's lifted up, God, I say thank you because every hand that desires for you to be with them, you will because you are Emmanuel, God, with us. You're the God who, who has felt it, who has experienced, who has walked it, who was crucified, who has rose again. You're not a God that is far, but you're a God that is near. And so this morning, as we desire, your word says, as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. We don't got to hope that you hear us. We don't got to hope that you answer. God, we rejoice in the fact that you are a good God who loves us, whose love is for us. And God, we praise you this morning and we rejoice in the love of Jesus Christ that is Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, God, we rejoice. We rejoice. Can we give God praise this morning? God, we thank you that you're with us. God, we thank you that you're with us this morning. Come on, let's give him praise. Lord, we thank you that you're here. God, we thank you that you're Emmanuel, God, with us. God, we thank you that you're not far, but you're near. God, we thank you that you that you're here in this moment even, God, as we're seeking you. God, that you're drawing near. Overwhelm us with your love, God. More of your love. Fill this place with your love that it's undeniable because you're just filling it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. Can we just sing that song together, Gianna? Let's worship the